0: Hello there, and welcome to our podcast, Conversations in Noosa. My name is John Caruso. Johnny West from Noosaville-based online clothing retailer Boom Shanker has always had an adventurous spirit. Heading off into the Colorado mountains to spend the night camping when he was a kid with a group of his friends was common. From ski resorts to water sports in San Diego, Johnny has always believed that a healthy body equates to a healthy mind, and ultimately that makes you a better business person. How did he end up in Noosa? Who in the business and entrepreneurial world does he admire and why? What forms the foundations of his business and marketing strategies? And what plans are there for Boomshanker to expand into the US market? I started the podcast by asking Johnny West about his Hollywood-sounding name.
1: I get that a lot of people ask me, is that your real name? And I have to pull out my driver's license and and show them it's, it's my real name. What part of California? Uh, San Diego. Uh, more specifically, North County of San Diego, a little surf town called Encinitas um, in uh, coastal San Diego. It's a beautiful part of the world. Grew up in the mountains in Colorado, a uh, small little ski town called Crested Butte. So half my time in the mountains, half my time in uh, the beach, and now the last uh, four years, nearly four years in Australia.
0: Tell me about your childhood. What did your, your, your mom and dad do for a living? Were they uh, What kind of business or industry were they involved uh, in?
1: Well, growing up in a ski town, your yeah. your industry is tourism. My mom was actually my school teacher. Uh, a town of a thousand people, there were only about 40 kids, so we had kindergarten through eighth grade all in one classroom. Uh, a couple of school teachers, and my mom was early on my school teacher before uh, she stepped away to work uh, at the local lumber yard. So, um, that was always an interesting, interesting time. You couldn't uh, wag school and play hooky and <laughs> and all that because mom knew right off the bat if you weren't weren't in school. Yeah, siblings, um, uh, siblings. I do have a brother uh, who lives in the U.S. and uh, not very close to him. Uh, different uh, different life paths. Uh, I've been always on the path of adventure and and what's that next story going to be, and what are you going to do with life? Um, uh, I like to, you know have that adventure planned and, and go off in that direction. And that's really what led me to Australia uh, nearly four years ago was, was meeting an absolutely beautiful, wonderful, fabulous Australian woman. Um, she spent uh, four years in the U.S. with me, and it's my tour of duty down here in Australia now. Where so. did that adventurous spirit come from? Is it something that you get from your parents? Is it something that you... Uh... I, I think it, it came from just my upbringing in general. You know, growing up in this, in the, in the late sixties through the seventies in this wild ski town in, in Colorado, you know, where, where the population full time was a thousand people, if that during, during the year. Um, and tourists coming in and out, you have influences from all over the world. Um, certainly seventies and ski life, uh, get a little crazy if you go back through the through the uh, history books of skiing and were they and what see, they called the wild party times were there the, were there were a lot of wild party results times in the 70s yeah. the decadent 70s yeah exactly lots of i remember lots of fur boots and you know uh, down <laughs> puffy jackets and and all that stuff um you know i was only a kid then but but you, i think you draw on those influences um and, uh, you know, there, there were times where it, we'd get an absolute dumping of, of snow and myself and my, my three or four buddies, uh, we were only eight, 10, 12 years old. Uh, we'd go skiing and we'd go out, out of bounds skiing. And the ski patrol had this gate, uh, to this area called the North Face. Uh, it was the, still to this day regarded as one of the most technical areas to ski in, in the U S if not the world, um, and we'd go right through the gate and the ski patrol would high five us. And, hey, Johnny, hey, Chris, hey, guys, what's up? Oh, just going to go get some go get some turns. And there'd be a line of tourists from Texas, let's say that. What are you letting these kids through when you're not going to let us through? And the, you know, the guys are, hey, these kids grew up here. They know these mountains. They they know how to save themselves if there's an avalanche or, or protect themselves if a storm comes through and what what to do, you know, and and I think you you, you can't help but be a little adventurous when you're growing up in the in those mountains. Um. We would go hiking during the summer and go camping for uh, three or four days by ourselves at 10 years old, you know, Uh, set up tent, uh, fish for our food, start a campfire, all that stuff. Flash our light down from the mountain at a a pre-discussed time so our parents knew we were okay. Um, Sounds a little silly, but, uh, you know, that was that was our signal to to them that everything was fine. And if they didn't see that, they'd come up and check on us and, you know, probably be in a tree somewhere or swimming in a lake and, and that sort of thing. Do you have kids? I do yeah i've I've got um I've got two kids uh, in California that are that are wonderful uh, onto their next steps in life uh, you know through early adulthood
0: the fact that you did that kind of stuff at the age of ten and your other mates were similar a similar age are you that free with your own kids for example like would you let them do that
1: yeah you know um I think that that as you learn about being a parent uh, maybe you don't do things that you did as a child yeah um and I think that to some extent, that's a mistake that that parents can make, and I probably made that mistake a little bit. Um, I'm fortunate that with um, with this wonderful Australian woman, my wife Danny, uh, we're expecting a little girl in July. And congratulations! Oh, it's so exciting. So you know, it, it's going to be awesome. Um, but I can look on some of those things that that didn't work out in the past, and um, not make those same mistakes in the future. And I don't know how many people get that that chance to do that sort of thing. Did you, you meet know? Danny in
0: uh, Denver, Colorado? Or was it in San Diego?
1: We, we met in Munich, Germany, Wow, of all places. So you're both traveling. Yeah, both traveling, uh, working for the same company, uh, an Australian sportswear brand, 2XU. Um, I was running the North American business. She was running the international business and we met at a sales conference. Um, it was uh, just one of those moments where we had, we had talked before, colleagues working together. Um, and... Uh, there was a spark right off the bat. As soon as she saw me, and I saw her, I was like, wow, look at that, you know. And mm. and um, it's been a been a true love story ever since.
0: How long ago was that?
1: Jeez, that was uh, seven years ago. Since uh, since then. And what you what attracted you to that line of work? Uh, you know, I've I've always been involved in combining my passion for life um, with uh, with work. Uh, growing up in the mountains in Colorado, and then moving to California uh, in the late 80s, early 90s, we had um, snowboarding started. You know, I was a skier for most of my life, uh, and I was fortunate enough to combine that skiing uh, background into snowboarding. Uh, As snowboarding was starting, it um, allowed me to join up with a guy named Burt Lamar. Uh, He's a former world champion skateboarder, and we started uh, a little snowboard company called Lamar Snowboards and um you know i was into the mountains and and doing everything there you think san diego is kind of a weird place to start a snowboard business but there were lots of snowboard brands from that area because of the skate and surf influence um followed that through my career and have always uh, always again combined that passion for for work and play with with 2xu um, i wanted to start doing ironman and uh, you know, spending lots of time on the water and on the bike and, and running. And uh, what better way to do that than to work for one of the top triathlon brands in the world and help them launch and, and tell the triathlon story to, uh, to uh, Tell
0: world. me about your fitness story. You, you were telling me before you were in the top 100?
1: Yeah, uh, of- one, one, 120th in the world uh, for the Masters uh, CrossFit uh, this year. My goal was top 20. Um, to be able to qualify for the world championships in uh, Wisconsin later this uh, later this fall winter for us, uh, summer up in North America, um, had to put that aside with uh, the news that little bub is coming yeah. along. So, uh, 2019 will be my year to uh, to push into that. And again, you know, I think that you can't dismiss that that strong body, strong mind sort of. Uh, Focus when you're when you're running a business, um, especially a business like I'm involved with with Boomshanker right now. Um, you know, there, there's lots of, of rigors of taking a small business up to that next level, and um, if you if you have that wherewithal to push hard through a workout, you're gonna be able to push hard through. Um, any of the strategic decisions you have to make, be it restructuring of a business, um, those financial calls about how you get to the next level, or just making um, making the right decisions, you know, and, and having a clear mind to be able to make those right decisions. With
0: you, there's no question between, yeah, like you just said, running a business and, and having a healthy mind, body, and, and and spirit and combining those two and, and being able to push, push that business onwards as well. In your last email, uh, Johnny, you said you're about to uh, push Boomshanker into the U.S. market.
1: The U.S. offers, you know, 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 for for many businesses offers a tremendous opportunity. Having worked for two of the largest sportswear brands out of Australia, um, I think that um, you need to focus on what that opportunity really represents. Certainly, Australia at, at what, 30 million people and the U.S. at 360 million people, 10 times more people up there. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get 10 times more consumerism dollars up there. It means that you may spend 10 times more to get those dollars than you would in in a market like Australia. So um, you have to go in there with with a strategic plan. Uh, working on both sides of it and brands coming from Australia to North America or from North America, bringing brands down to to Australia uh, are two different philosophies. I think the consumer really right now, Australia is in vogue. If you look at the coffee culture that's happening throughout the U.S. that is finally catching up to to um, what, is, what is Australians like, not near the quality of coffee. But um, that culture and that ethos, Australian fashion is very much in vogue right now. Um, some of the architecture and, and stuff coming from Melbourne and some of the capital cities that are, that are pushing the envelope from an architecture standpoint is being appreciated in, in, um, in the US right now. So I think that it's the right time for a brand like Boomshanker based in Noosa to tell that story um, to the world. And uh, we're, we're on our way to, to doing that.
0: In an earlier podcast, I spoke to a, a New Yorker from Connecticut. Uh, who uh, married an Australian woman. Now he's got uh, a couple of kids and they, they settled here in Noosa. So I got his perspective on the differences between life in Australia and uh, life in the U.S. today and over the last decade. I'd love to get your perspective.
1: I think that the funniest thing uh, or most interesting thing, when I tell people I'm from Noosa that are from the U.S., they say, oh, the yogurt brand. Because yog- Nusa Yogurt is a big brand in sure. uh, in the U.S., I'm like, well, no, not quite where the yogurt brand uh, comes from. I, you know, I don't know how they got about that, but but that's the the American perspective on Nusa. You know, Nusa is still very much off the beaten path, I think, for for mainstream people, um, and that's one of the reasons why I, I love living here. Um, the cultural differences that I see and, and I've this'll sound a little weird, but I've always felt a tie to Australia. Uh, one day knowing that I would be living here and, and enjoying life and, and everything that Australian Australia represents. It's a very lucky country the work-life balance is so much better here than in the u.s you know we get two weeks of holiday 10 days of holiday a year versus the the four weeks you know and that's just the start of it um your your dog eat dog when you're in that big of a corporate environment in the u.s where the next guy can come in and replace you and maybe do a better job maybe not but can do it at a lower cost in some cases you know that 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 pressure Keeps you going. There was a there was a time for ten years where I didn't take a single week off. Right? Um, I just kept working and, and powering away, um, and I think uh, you know as as you get older, you want to stop some somewhat and appreciate the things that are happening in this world. Uh, and Noosa in Australia are allowing me to do that. You know, it, it's 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 just awesome living here. The the culture, the people, the welcoming that you know everything that Australia represents is is. Probably what the U.S. was 30 or 40 years ago, you know, in terms of of just uh, positive attitude and and approach and and opportunity, you know, from from a a market standpoint, business opportunity, real estate opportunity. um, You know, it's it's a very prosperous uh, country right now.
0: You would get asked uh about politics a fair bit, I I imagine, only because Trump is in the news so much and he's so prolific on social media. Hmm. He's unlike any other president before.
1: Yeah, you know, I I think that um, if I look on my Facebook feed, I'll see if there's a hundred posts. Ninety-nine of them are probably political posts for or against Trump, and then one is actually somebody's <laughs> telling what they're doing today versus griping about the, the political climate in the U.S. Um, you know, uh, as we talked, uh, as we, we were getting started, I'm I'm uh, kind of split uh, down the middle with uh, my political approach in the U.S. Uh, fiscally a conservative, but environmentally um, and life, uh, lifestyle wise, a liberal. Uh, I think that there's that climate in the U S of people that are, are split down the middle. Certainly a, somebody that's very, very conservative or somebody that's very, very liberal are on the outskirts right now. So does, um, does the president represent everybody in the U S no, but no president ever has represented everybody in the U S in most cases, hasn't even represented the majority of people in the U S. um, It's a tricky one. You know, the the global context of of what's happening with North Korea and the involvement with Russia and Iran. And and when you look into the dynamics of the Middle East, where people have been fighting for millions of years, continue to fight. That's not a big surprise. You know, these sort of conflicts have been going on. So, uh, you know, it's a different time. Uh, it's a very complex time for government. And then you put on top of that a government system that I believe is broken in the U.S. In what that, way? That further complicates it. I think that that the, the system of terms and being able to, to be in Congress or in the Senate uh, until you're ready to retire, there are no term limits in place. Uh, they make temp- lifetime politicians making careers out of that. Um, the politicians that have healthcare paid for free and get their salaries, um, as their retirement benefit for their entire life after they retire. If you work 50 years in a factory and you retire at 60, you know, well, you'd start, have to start at 15, I guess with my bad math right there, but you know, you work 30 or 40 years in in a factory job, uh, you don't get to retire with the same salary that you made and you still have to pay for your healthcare and, and all that. It's just, it's not an, uh, an equal political system at this point. There's a lot of haves and and, uh, taking advantage of the system, I think. You an Australian citizen? I'm not an Australian citizen yet. Uh, I have to be here for four years right. uh, before I apply for my citizenship. So I'm coming up on that and uh, will be applying for my citizenship right. uh, close to that uh, time. And,
0: and Denny, your wife, uh, where was she from? From Noosa, from Queensland? Or no, from- she's she's from
1: she's from Melbourne, a Hawthorne a girl. Yeah, Melburnian, right. a Hawthorne girl. Um, I met uh, in the first five minutes of meeting her uncle uh you know because footy runs deep in in victoria uh he said who do you barrack for son and i said oh, <laughs> oh i what like a, the chargers what a, what a question yeah yeah <laughs> uh, first off i'm like i'm like who do I barrack for? What what does barrack mean? You know, uh, it's that Australian colloquialism and, yeah. and lost in translation a little bit with me. And, and, uh, I said, Oh, I like the chargers from San Diego, the Denver Broncos can't stand the Patriots. He's like, no footy. I'm like, well, I'm not really <laughs> sure. You know, he says, I'm going to tell you right off the bat. If you want to be part of this family, you have to be a Hawks supporter. Right. So I'm a Hawks supporter. <laughs> right. <Crunch. laughs> but. Have you been to a game at the yeah. MCG? Yeah, I've been to uh, yeah. the MCG. I've been fortunate enough to go to a couple of games, some Anzac Day games. And uh, what a great environment that is. You know, it's probably one of the greatest sporting venues in the world. So um,
0: considering um, you two met in Munich,
1: uh, Danny's from Melbourne. How did you decide on Noosa? Well, we, we when we moved to, uh, back to Australia, we moved down to Torquay. Um, be on the coast. You yeah, know, uh, I, below Geelong.
0: Yeah, below yeah. Geelong.
1: Exactly. Uh, I wanted to make sure I was close to the beach, having spent uh, sure, a sure. good part of my life on the beach. Uh, Melbourne is great and love the restaurants, the culture, the vibe, the footy, everything that's going on there. Uh, but I had to be close to the beach and the ocean and the water and, and be able to surf. Um, quickly learned that those south winds blow straight off uh, Santa, uh, Antarctica. Uh, the water's cold and wild and the waves are good. But... Um, I just was sick of wearing a wetsuit. we We got married. Um, we got married here in Noosa, and uh, we have some friends that live here. We found ourselves coming up here uh, every couple of months and spending a week. And after uh, after our second winter there, we said, "Let's move to Noosa. Let's sell everything we got and and uh, head on up to head on up to Queensland and, and Noosa and enjoy life."
0: Do you ever envisage living Queensland?
1: No, I, I don't. I I think that uh, there may be a time that we'll have you know live part time in the US part time in back to San Diego uh, yeah, back or, to or San, another part no nah, back to San yeah. Diego for sure um and part time uh, in Noosa. but i think Noosa Nusa is it you know it's just such a special place the 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 temperature the people um the water's warm you know it's it's just it's awesome is
0: there any aspect of, of uh US culture American culture that that you miss Johnny
1: Mexican food really yeah it's, it's tough to get really good Mexican food here. You know, Dylan and uh, the crew at Paradise Arcade, uh, if you, if you yeah. haven't been over there, it's probably the, the closest Mexican food you can get uh, here in Nusa. But uh, yeah, really good spicy Mexican food, a green tomatillo salsa um, that's been roasted and, and uh, good fish tacos, that sort of thing. The beauty of living in San Diego is you can shoot across the Mexican border pretty fast. I mean, Encinitas, where I lived, was only 100 Ks from the border. And uh, you could shoot down to Tijuana and Rosarito and Ensenada and and be in Mexico in a couple hours time, for uh, for a great wild adventure of surfing and and a few tacates and cervezas and and have fun and you know maybe get a little wild with some tequila on the beach and <laughs> run around naked you know I think it's somewhat a rite of passage for, and is it easy to to come and go across the border Yeah, it's easy to go, it's American? easy yeah. to go across the border. It's a pain to get back to across, come back come back into the U.S. Right. You know which uh, you know you can walk right across the border uh, going into Mexico, it takes five minutes. A drive right across takes five minutes, but coming back, you have to wait hours lined up in, in the uh, queue to get back across with customs is, is usually a torturous, uh, ordeal. Yeah. You know, just sit there creeping along, but it's part of, part of the experience and, and part of the fun. The San Ysidro border crossing is apparently the largest, busiest border crossing in the world. I don't know how many thousands of people come across each day, but, uh, you're usually pretty wiped out after, a a fun weekend in Mexico of, of just going, you know, going. <laughs> you know it, it's changed over the years. Like, like a lot of things have, um, uh, you have to be a little bit more careful. The and destination, more, yeah, yeah. Mexico has. Yeah. You have to be a little bit, a little bit more mindful of your surroundings. Um, especially closer to the border. Um, you get down farther past Rosarito and it, it's a beautiful country. People are wonderful and welcoming. The food is great. And, um, the climate, the waves, just the, the the overall vibe of it, it's it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's
0: really good. Well, what else? I know you're, you're super into your fitness. Mm-hmm. What else do you do in your downtime?
1: Oh, you know, I, I like uh, looking at different business strategies. I get geeked out on on different business strategies and can go down wormholes of of how people have grown their businesses and um, you know Elon Musk is is a great story right now. I love looking at what he's doing, thinking outside the box. Sure, you know he, he uh, to take one of his Tesla coupes, put it in the front of the rocket, and that's send right. it to Mars. You know <laughs> that's pretty out of the box thinking. The way he's looking at transportation as a whole uh, in the U.S. will have impacts across the world. Um, for how people uh, transport goods, Um, the way that their new trucks are coming out, Um, the boring company that he's uh, done for tunnel boring uh, to do um, transportation under cities. It's all pretty cool stuff that's going on. And again, I think that you can always be perceived if you're thinking outside the box and doing something different than the norm that the comments you make are sometimes, um, you know. And I guess that's what
0: makes these people exceptional. The same with like Richard Branson.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think in in this environment where the world has shrunk because of of the digital age, you have to do things differently now. You have to think you know, completely differently than what you did 20 years ago, even 10 years ago, maybe even five years ago in your approach to, to consumerism in supply chain, uh, in finance and how that, that change in consumerism, that change in supply chain affect the finances of a business that, that all encompassing strategy of, of coming into that, that modern digital age for a business, um, uh, can make and break a lot of businesses. Is social
0: media an important part of that marketing strategy for you? Social media
1: should be an important part of any business's uh, strategy. In particular for Boomshanker, it is uh, a very important part of our business in communicating to our customers. How do you measure it? Um, there's a lot of different ways you can measure it nowadays. It used to be a very intangible measurement, um, through a lot of the algorithms on the back end of, say, Facebook or or Instagram. Um, lots of good reports to measure about consumer engagement. You spend this much, um, what is that engagement in a post? How does that post in that engagement lead to a conversion or even a look on the website? And then what's your conversion from that look to a shopping cart? And ultimately, what's that shopping cart conversion to a checkout? Uh, Facebook is, is um, in some instances, the evil empire right now because they know so much about each one of us. Um, when you delve into the back end of of what they know from a demographic standpoint, it's very big brotherish.
0: This came up in the the news a couple of uh, weeks ago, but then I was in conversation with someone else about it. I said, "But but we all volunteer that info. It's mm. it's not like um you know I think that the the para or the headline at the time was that they'd somehow stolen that info from us. And I thought, but but
1: that's the th- we volunteer. Uh, yeah, that we, we give that... them. We give them that info. You know, it, it's. Uh, I think that social media is a double edged sword. You know, from a personal standpoint, it's a great way to contact and and keep in in touch with friends. For me, living you know on the other side of the world from the U.S., I can still see daily what my what my friends are doing and and what my family is doing, and and that's really cool to be able to to do that and feel that that sense of of still being engaged in their lives, even though I'm living on the other side of the world. Um, I think that a lot of people accept that over what um, what the real ramifications of social media from a data collection standpoint and a data mining standpoint. Facebook isn't in this to to be friends with people. They're a business. You know, uh, at some point, they're going to have to monetize what they do. And to some extent, they have monetized it from a business standpoint. I'm sure at some, at, uh, you know, in the future, they'll monetize it at a consumer standpoint, and they will have all of our data there. And that's what people forget. You know, Facebook started out as as something fun, and to a lot of people, it still is something fun. But it's a, it's a business as well.
0: You mentioned Elon Musk from, from Tesla. Are, are there other great business minds that you admire or that you delve into and explore?
1: Oh, I think um, Richard Branson that you touched yeah. on earlier. I mean, the way that he approaches the culture of the business. You know, he revolutionized that that cultural approach of of having fun, you know, with with Virgin Air. And I saw a documentary a couple of weeks ago on uh, on that and just his his whole process of going through there. He's like, we're not saving lives. We're not um, we're not going to change the world in terms of of bringing new technology or, or that sort of thing. We're getting people from point A to B. And we're putting them into a tin can where they're locked up for four or five, six, 10, 12 hours, depending on where you're going. So let's have fun with them and let's make that experience enjoyable and bring back what flight was, you know, in the 30s, 40s, 50s, you know, where it was prestigious to travel, and it was fun to travel. It's been many years
0: since I read uh, Losing My Virginity, but from memory, the the one thing I got out of it was uh, that never-say-die attitude in terms of overcoming challenges. Mm. I think the story that I read was the the, the first plane that he leased with the the Virgin livery all over it, and it was full of journalists. And the engine caught on fire. You know, so it was overcoming those, the, like, and you know, he buried his head in his hands and went, "No, oh, what a disaster!" But he bounced back. You know, I think the Virgin Plane was one of the first planes into uh, Iraq at the time, and to move out all the expats, and yeah. uh, that you know, the coverage from there kind of went on and on. So, I like that in terms of his ability to to deal with challenges and overcome challenges.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that that any business person has to be able to deal with those adversities and those challenges. And, and if you're going to be successful, you have to overcome them. And that probably ties some parallels to, to just being successful in life. You know, We're always going to have daily adversities, some, some bigger, some not so big. And, and it's how you approach those um, and how you take them on. You know, Some people choose to ignore them and, and uh, probably turn into bigger problems. Others take them head on. And uh, I think the ones that take them head on are usually the most successful.
0: So I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming in and all the best with the expansion uh, into the US with, with Boomshanker and, and the work that you're doing with Boomshanker.
1: You bet, John. Thank you.
0: Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to that podcast. If you did, feel free to share it with your family and friends on social media. And if you listen to the podcast uh, via Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher or Wooshka, uh, don't forget to rate and review the podcast for us, Conversations in Noosa. Remember, there are two fresh podcasts every week, every Monday and Thursday, on our In Noosa Magazine webpage or website, innoosamagazine.com.au forward slash conversations. Until next time, take care.